I drove myself to um, Sherry. Okay. I've never been to that side of town in Lagos. So I, I got to the road. I had to park. And I called my husband. I said, babe, <laughs> I am in somewhere, someplace. I just passed World Oil. I just passed Beggar. I don't know these places. I said, I'm going to Ibadan. The road is not tired. It wasn't tired. Then there was no gates. There was nothing. And I checked the address. I think I called the My husband just said, just try it out. You never know. Just go. I know where you are. You know. So I got to um, the building on Tad Road at Horn. Drove it to the compound. There was this noisy generator. Funny building. But once again, my mind was... And I think, you know, when I look back, I think it's just one thing that's helped me. I'm always very open-minded. This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true, asking the what, the when, the how, and the why. I'm Oshaye, and over the next two weeks, we'll meet Kemi Shinobi, the Director of People, Culture, Experience, and Operations at CVC Communications. Kemi is also the founder of the HR Storyteller platform, on this episode, you hear Kemi talk about growing up in the North, the defining moment she had that shaped who she's become today, including losing her mom while in school, as well as her journey into the HR world. A few of the words you'd repeatedly hear when people describe Kemi include warm, kind-hearted, fun-loving, storyteller, mother, empathetic, energetic, and sometimes even life of the party. And on being energetic, hear what Kemi says. I actually wonder that I'm not on anything, right? But how do you get this energy? And I think that's just a quality that I bring. You know, that energy keeps me going. So this promises to be an interesting conversation because besides the fact that Kemi is a licensed human resources executive, she's also a fantastic storyteller and the founder of the HR Storyteller platform, a platform oriented towards transforming the HR practice and workplace cultures with the art and power of storytelling. More interestingly, Kemi was my first manager ever in the corporate world. In fact, it was she who convinced me to give HR a shot as a fresh graduate from the university. Of course, what this means is that during this interview, inescapably, you'd get to know a tidbit more about me as Kemi tells her origin story. So stay tuned. Today, Kemi is the Director of People, Culture, Experience and Operations at CVC Communications, a privately owned multi-platform national and international full-service media organization established in 2007 and headquartered in Lagos, Nigeria. Under her leadership, the media company has been certified as a great place to work company in Nigeria for the last two years by the Great Place to Work Institute of the USA and has gone on to win several awards, including some from one of the foremost people management institutes in Africa, the Chartered Institute of Personnel Management of Nigeria, CIPM. All these are certainly no mean feat, and you might be tempted to think HR is something that Kemi has always done, that she started her career in HR, but you couldn't be further from the truth. 
In fact, Kemi's journey into HR could be termed coincidental or what many people might call destiny, a divine orchestration of some sort and we'll get to that soon. But as a child, Kemi was very keen on theater, on writing, on storytelling with a huge influence from her dad. As a child, I was very keen on theater, funny enough, you know. Um, I was very keen on acting, so in school, primary, secondary school, I would dance, I would act in all the plays. I used to write some funny stories when I was a child. In fact, I think that, no, no, I think I know that my dad had an influence oh. in storytelling. So as a child, my dad used to tell beautiful stories in Yoruba, in English, with songs and everything. So every night, it was a deal. He had to tell me two stories. <laughs> so I think maybe when I was five or so, he now changed the style. Okay. So he would tell me that for him to tell me two stories, I have to tell him one story. Oh. Now, five-year-old child, I had no stories. So I used to mix and match Fabu and all of that. <laughs> and one would think Kemi would consider the theater arts. But as a young girl, Kemi wasn't sure she wanted to act. Actually, Kemi wasn't clear on what she wanted to do and she went through different career options at different stages of her life. She liked taking care of people though, giving her mom and dad massages and initially thought she had an affinity for the sciences, medicine in particular, but for physics. A physics teacher never came into our class as often. Okay. So we're sort of self-reading and all of that. Anyways, I love chemistry, I love biology. That physics, oh God, it was hellish. So by first term, I just saw that my scores were not okay. as good as I felt they could be. And luckily, my mom was a lecturer, you know, so she's she's there, present, knows what you're doing with your studies and everything. So I had a, I had a heart-to-heart conversation with her and I, I appreciate her for, of course, many things she does, she did rather, but that particular decision she let me make. And she asked me, um, what really is the problem? I said, I'm struggling with this thing. And I can almost see that I'm going to keep struggling in this subject, you know, that is going to affect even my confidence in the other subjects that I'm naturally good at. So it was just physics you had a challenge it was with. physics it was that because physics. of that particular it was subject. physics okay. so i just said you know what i really don't think this is the path i okay. want to go there are other subjects i really like i wanted to do government literature because it was almost a case that my literature too was going to suffer okay so went to my year group teacher or i can't remember what they called them then and we sort of quickly changed so by the second term i changed my courses my subjects and in fact, the teacher referred to that without mentioning my name on okay. the assembly one day that if you have problems, you know, at this age and all of that. So I finished school. When I was, you switched, mm -hmm. what career were you then considering? Now I was like, my sister, my most senior sister is a lawyer. <laughs> you know, and, and it just shows that there's an influence of your siblings True. or family mm -hmm. on you. So Kemi made the switch and began considering law as a career option until a conversation she had with her brother just when she was about rounding her for secondary school education. I spoke to my brother one day and he goes, um, what do you want to do? I said, law. He said, law. There are too many lawyers now. That's how he said it. Do something else. You know, try something else. So I said, okay. 
went again to my mother. We spoke, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? Accounting. So I went into accounting. Had you done accounting in the university? Yeah, um, in, in secondary school? No, I didn't. And then you settled on accounting? I settled on accounting because I, I was doing, um, my math was good. Okay. Should I do further math? No, I didn't do further. My math was good. What other subjects did we do? We did economics. Okay. Yes, I did I did economics. My economics was good. Um, English literature. Um, okay. Biology. Did I? No, did I? I kept biology. Biology was still there. Government. Okay. Yes, I did government. You know, I liked even... And it also was from research, mm. history, government, you know. So, um, so I, I just picked accounting and... Okay, let's even try it. There was no accountant on... None of my siblings were, were accountants, but my aunt... Was an accountant. Okay. So I said, okay, we go and we and we move. So Kemi went on to Amadubelo University, ABU in Zaria, Nigeria, to study accounting without any prior experience or exposure in secondary school. Amadubelo University, because she grew up in Zaria, her mother was a lecturer there, and her siblings had also schooled there. So it was a natural choice for Kemi. But what was accounting like for Kemi, having had no prior exposure? So it was, it was, I won't say it was, let me not use the word tough. It was different. Okay. Um, because now there's a lot of focus on financial management, um, financial reporting, business administration. I remember, I'm trying to remember the courses in 100 level. Uh, 100 level, first semester, my, I can't remember my CGPA, but it was not like I knew I was going to finish with the first class. Oh. Okay. I knew that I needed to sit up, so to speak. Um, but I was lucky I had very good classmates and I quickly bodied up with people who um, could sort of, we, we sort of started doing tutorials together. And before you knew what, 100 level moved into 400 level. Um, but by 300, 400 level, when we say hearing stories of people who had gotten you know out of school and had said pursuing careers, so you say hearing, is it like a banker? or you're working on accounting or audit firm. So I was still like, hmm, Kemi, your personality, is this you? Yeah. Anyways, finished university. Um, then I came back to the South fully. Okay. Um, of course, while growing up, I had siblings, family members, so we used to travel back and forth. Um, so came to the South. I was actually ready. I can't, you know, like, let's pursue this thing. Did you choose to come to the South? Oh. Yeah, it, it was just basically the next thing. Why not stay back in the north and build a career there? Not the kind of career I wanted or I thought I wanted. But okay. then I had a lot of my, my siblings had left the north. Okay. Um, so it was, like I said, it's not like growing up in the north, yeah, holidays are come to the south or your Ushobu, Ibad, or Lagos. So there was that in and out, Ajala Traveler kind of lifestyle. Um, then of course, one of that defining moment, because between 300 level and 400 level, I'm lost my mother. Um, so my dad was still in the North, but there was really nothing. I couldn't stay back. My siblings were here and then he also used to come to the South. So Christmas holidays and everything. How did losing her affect you then in your 300 and 400 level? Hmm. It was tough. Um, so my mother and I were very close. I, I kept referring to that when we were talking. And um, 
So it was like the person who had built me to do everything just left. But um, had she been ill or was it sudden? It was sudden. One minute um, was malaria-like symptoms and it was typhoid. She was getting treated, and coincidentally, it was the same year that um, the September 11 thing happened. Oh. So I remember calling her from school on September 11, when the whole world seemed to be burning, and she was still fine. Um, she actually passed about 14 days after. So it, it, but I think what made me go through school or finish was, this is a woman who had invested, not money now, time, time, and a lot of love to build me. So I couldn't fall her hand, you know, I, even though, yes, it was tough, even just thinking about not being in that state of mind. But I had very good family members, um, extended family, my siblings, my father, who stepped in and, you know, held my hand, so to speak. So coming into Lagos with her accounting degree, Kemi started an internship at an audit firm owned by her father's friend and had a plan of some sort, which she shared with her uncle. I'd met with my uncle on my way to Lagos. Okay. And I was telling him, giving him a list of things. I'm going to sit for my icon, I'm going to do this, you know. <laughs> These are the things I'm going to, you know, pay for. Because, of course, after getting an accounting degree, you expect that that is the next thing. So I got into audits and um, it was fun okay. from, the, from the point of the clients okay. who were auditing big firms or auditing small firms. In fact, I always tell people that that firm I worked with or at is one of the reasons I know Lagos very well. I remember my boss telling me one time to go do something in Apapa. Eh? Apa what? Because <laughs> I just used to come, the Keja, you know, even going to work. I had to get a bus. I knew all the navigation, how to get on a bus, how to climb Okada. Get to Ujue Legba, then from Ujue Legba to, uh, I remember, Body Thomas. Okay. You know, I used to buy Gala. <laughs> I, I actually, this is, you know, true story. I used to buy three Gala, one Coke. The third Gala was for one guy in my office who had realized he didn't have enough funds. Okay. So that was my routine. So Ujue Legba, I'm going to money, you hear all sorts. You know, those people that used to come and they want to collect. Money, they are the ones that have all the stories in the world. Somebody's ill. Anyways, so, but the defining moment for me was, I think there was some older person in the firm. He wasn't a partner. And very respected, chilled guy. Found out that he had written Icon three times and failed. Ah! <laughs> so, I engaged him, you know, asked questions. <laughs> I, I couldn't understand three times and he was still talking about going the fourth time. Okay. I'm like, are you do like pain? So, but I, so I asked questions. I actually asked many questions. Why was he doing it? What, so it, it seemed from his responses that it just was so much tunnel vision that he wasn't even exploring other options. Mm. Let me explain. So I asked him, I said, there are other certifications you can get. There are other exams. There are even other things you can sort of delve into just to test. You know, of course, he, he, he didn't like to talk a lot. So the other guys I was close to, 
they will tell me, mm, I'm a emo. So that thing was maybe warning sign for me that not because I was scared of writing the exam, but that it means that if you don't pass this, do you get to a point that you just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it because, and it didn't seem it was growing because in the audit space, he needed that to move. Kemia enjoyed working at the audit firm and it was one of the defining moments on her career journey. It was fun. On that job, I traveled. I traveled to Port Harcourt, I traveled to Calabar, I traveled to Wari, went to audit NPA accounts. Mm. And that was big. You know, NPA, you know, we're seeing all types of accounts, other partners that they have. I remember going to On Airport, um, seeing people, and I traveled with a large, in fact, I think I was only female. I remember on the team that was assigned to go with partners. Uh-huh. And yeah, and they took care of me. These were men, some of them married, some single, but some of them, ah, we're going to Jaye in Fatakot, but they actually took care of me. But that actually framed my, I wouldn't call it work ethic, but my work style. Okay. And it helped me. Because it was a largely dominated male space, but they were decent men. Okay. Largely, a lot of them were decent. There was no, there was no feeling of the harassment. So it actually framed my interaction in the workplace going forward. Okay. Because I had that. Um, we call good it a, foundation. Yes, good foundation. Okay. So I, I wasn't. I was very confident working with men, any man, you know, having that comfort that I could do that. After about a year at the audit firm, Kemi went on to observe her National Youth Service Year in Lokoja, Kogi State. She got posted to the Office of the Accountant General and continued work as an accountant. Upon completion of the service year, Kemi returned to Lagos and then came the question of what to do. That period, banking was the in thing and Kemi was considering it until... I think a friend of mine said working in the bank. And then she asked me one day, Kemi, I need you to take me shopping. You know, you know Lagos. I need to buy 10 suits. Oh, no problem, suit and all of them black. Eh? So you are going to invest money in buying black suits. I love black, by the way. And I think they said light blue shirt. Okay. So, aha! Dress code. It sounded very... I wasn't sure. Then, of course, you know, she she stayed over at her place and um, doing her orientation. And some of the stories she'll come and tell me. I'm just like, hmm. So out went banking. What next? That period was also when telecommunication companies began to penetrate the Nigerian market, the likes of MTN and Econet. Kemi decided to give it a shot, joining Econet then, now Etel, as a customer service officer. I actually look back at my career and I'm, I'm grateful mm. because the many aha things that happened that I know that it was a deliberate, you know, when, when so, it seems God is, is charting a course. And even you don't know, but you're going with the course. Because customer service um, exposed me to engaging with people beyond the skills I had as an individual. This was, I had talking to people, you need to be patient. You need to keep calm, even though you know you feel like pulling out your hair. I remember some calls we used to have in the day, and I'm like, eh? 
He said that to me. <laughs> um, so customer service. And I grew, grew through the ranks. I had a flair for talking. Okay. Um, so gradually from Ecolet V-Mobile, and I joined the training and development department. Still within? Within um, the same company. But remember, there was a growth for okay. Airtel that is here today now. It was Econet, V-Mobile, Celtel, Zane. Uh, then it became Airtel. And I was still with them up till Airtel. Okay. How did the transition happen from customer rep to... Um, so opportunities, you know, there are openings within the company. Then in, on the team, there were times when you need to train on this subject. You need to train on this new product. I'll take it up, you know, talk about it. So your supervisor recommend blah, blah, blah. So moved into training and development. So training and development, we were, but I was not necessarily training people. Okay. We're working in the department that had to do with content, a lot of content development for the um, customer service teams. Okay. So we needed to start creating content on the go. Um, how, you know, people are, are logged on for hours. And when they log off, they just want to go home and sleep. So we needed to start creating content, fast content videos, um, training material, okay. um, training assessments. So you have to do assessments, weekly assessments, um, videos, pictures, PowerPoints, add voiceover. So we had some, they're called tech guys now. They used to be, I'm trying to remember, just creatives or something we used to call them attached to the team. But they were doing a lot of work. So I always had a deliverable. I have to go and sit down with them because they needed to do a recording for me or something. Okay. So week one, week two, month one, I said getting frustrated because sometimes I have to go back like 200 times. Oh. So I now start learning how to do it on my own. Okay. So, you know, I'll sit down beside them. I know some tech guys, they don't want you to know what they are doing. Anyway, so I found out that I could learn, I could learn this thing and I got it done. Maybe not as good as people who are trained in it, but it made it easier because they could see that I was interested. So I will bring them an almost finished product and boom. Anyways, um, memory serves me right. About that time, I was going to get married. Okay. Um, I got married 2007. You see the way I slowed down so that I don't go and make mistake and call it another date. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's men that are accused of forgetting. Um, Abby, yes, now. <laughs> um, at that time, if I'm not mistaken, it was Zane. Zane, okay. Zane had come on board, and there was a lot of transformation plans. There was a lot of changes. A lot of team structures were going to change. So there was also a gap on the technical side, IT side, okay. where the business thought that the IT was was far away from its internal customers. Okay. And what was the issue? Internal customers were frustrated when they were doing changes. Okay. Where um, they were going to work on servers and all those things, networking, there would be no communication. So they felt that a few of us who had a good grasp, um, customer service, training, some ideology around, because training was required for you to be able to engage Learning, develop, learning and development. So a task force team was pulled out. 
from different parts. I was part of them, very small, nimble team. And we went to form the service delivery team. Okay. An IT service delivery team using ITIL model. Uh, and that's how I, I veered into the tech space. Um, so went and then built a relationship rapport. And that's how I actually got to now understand IT guys. So they were very, no, don't come to our space kind of thing. They're like, guy, you're going to do this job now. How, you know, so we were the conduits. We were the ones communicating. So what are you working on? Um, some, this is called the SDP 12 is down, some server. I know tech people just like to use buzzwords, network, SSS, one, something. So we would just get the information, craft it. You know, we had this lovely like newsletter okay. send out because people needed real time information that they didn't have. Um, they also were working closely with the billings department, the back end guys who had to be ensuring that because you find out that those um, downtimes, they call them downtimes, had an impact on when you can't call. True. Had an impact on when people would call and say, I was calling, I called only for two seconds, I was billed 500 naira. Mm. You know, so I had worked on the front end, which okay. is customer service, and this was now an opportunity to see the things that make up okay. telco. Um, after that, Zane, then Etel came. Okay. And then with every new structure, every new company, everybody comes with their, because these are now new owners, new management team, new board, new expectations. Um, I was still within the service delivery function, but I now started expanding. There was the communication. A lot of changes happened. Um, what year some, was this? Um... I'm fuzzy on those okay. details. It'll come to me. It'll come okay. to me. It'll come to me. Um, 20, 20, 2009, 2000, yes, 2010. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. I remember. Yes, around that time, I was still working out of Igomu. I'd gone back to Igomu. Okay. Um, yes, I had my daughter in 2010. Okay. Yes, so I'm still, I was in with another team. Different teams were being formed and with any new structure, it seemed every new boss was trying to carve out a niche for themselves, um, build a different template and all of that. Anyways, um, Airtel now brought, they partnered with Integrated Turnkey Solutions. They wanted to outsource the IT service management, IT function to them. Okay. So anybody who was wearing the hat of under the IT space, was going to be absorbed by the other firm. by this new firm. Okay. So once again, a lot of chaos, so to speak. Um, moved to that company. So we're doing. You moved. Yes, I moved. Okay. So it was we're still under the Airtel umbrella, and there's a lot of, you, you know, when as a HR person, you know, there's um, there's all that. Thing that you're not clear on, you're not redundant. It's not that you're redundant, your role hasn't, but it's a new role, new, new team. You you're not there's no clarity. No clarity. We're being re-interviewed for our jobs. Okay. Um, but we now say handling um problem management, um incident management. Okay. So we're handling, I'm trying to remember the tool we're using then. 
So, you know, you all the IT-related issues across the organization, we used, to, we used to handle that. You weren't considering changing jobs? At that point, I now was. Now mm-hmm. I was at that point where, oh, of course, on, remember that I had a training and development side too. Yes. I was already still building capacity in that area. Huh. Trainings. Still um, within the team or you had no, done externally? Externally. Okay. No, because I, within the team, of course, I w- we'll have training sessions. But I mean, this was something I now realized that I had a flair for. Okay. I had a flair for research, reading, writing, talking. Okay. I was passionate about talking to people. And um, I think, I'm trying to remember my years now, but around that time was when um, a firm... See, you need to think through some of the names. Um, they they used to offer trainings to the likes of GTB, okay. First Bank, Intercontinental, largely banking. Okay. So they had a model where they used to partner with uh, independent trainers. Okay. So they reached out to me, referral, because one of my team members, in fact, two of my team members, when we were in training and the development department had already started working with them. When I say working, it's pay for your time. So I used to earn extra money. Okay. And I found that I'll go into a room, train customer service, and people liked it. Okay. So I started expanding customer relationship management. Instead, learning more. Instead, observing, researching. So this I was doing alongside. Uh, 2011, my dad died. Another tough time. It was a big blow. Um, I was already job hunting at that point. Okay. Um, I had my daughter already. She was going to be one when my dad died, passed. Um, We buried him and then we traveled as a family. So my CV, I'd gotten some let's talk to you kind of thing. But I traveled, went to the UK. And... The day we're meant to return. In fact, I remember my sister reaching out to me saying that um, there was some firm, new company that um, she had sent my CV to or or something, you know. And so I sent my CV, I applied, um, traveled, came back. Apparently the transition between moving my SIM, trying to access my emails. They had sent me an email the day we're leaving the UK. Okay. So, um got an email asking me, in fact, I'd missed the date for the interview. interview. So I had to send an email to them um, saying that... um, Before we... Because I think this is another phase of your journey. Yes, It's about to start. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's dwell on um, Ertel Zayn, Econet Abit. You mentioned you had aha moments whilst you were a customer service rep. What were some of those aha moments? Um... Okay, so first aha moment was, so then uh, the company said toying with, um, you know, people being able to speak different languages. Okay. Being attended to in different languages. So it was a case of, do you speak Yoruba? Do you speak Igbo? Do you speak Hausa? So if there's a call that comes in, that is a Igbo call, and you can't speak Igbo, and the person wants to speak Igbo, you have to signify or tell them to hold on. Okay. And in fact, in the early days, you have to call the person. The person takes over your seat. Okay. After a while, 
we have the functionality of you know tapping on a number then it's it's it queues up okay even though that's another but the aha moment was i could speak yoruba i could speak hausa so i was one of the popular people okay because of hausa part so they're like kemi ah you know so the call they just call you you know um aha moment also was that you actually the people who pray for you not as many as people who first child and assault child, <laughs> but there are few people that will pray for you and you could see that you are making an impact no matter how small so if I was when one of the first few times I realized the concept of impact how just an interaction you know then of course amongst the team that spirit of team oneness so to speak so i was also learning a lot of on the job skills okay um teamwork you know hard work smart work you know those are things that we're learning stretching yourself um working at night like i said when i was doing interview i thought if you will sleep and there's no sleep there's no sleep because that's why some people 3am they want to call and they're asking you some of the most ridiculous things. <laughs> well, Hilarious so stories. Were they, coming for, were they calling for serious issues or they just wanted to, what's the word, disturb you guys? Can, can you see my eyes? <laughs> so you, you have, let, let's, let's use numbers. So maybe if we had um, 20 calls between 1.30am and 3.30am. Hmm. Three or four of those calls were real, serious. I've been trying to call you all day. Okay. I knew that the calls would have dropped now. I really have serious issues. Okay. You see the other 25, 26 from, you just hear people breathing on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Breathing heavy. I'm not joking. To, To people just say, ah, ah. We just wanted to call you. <laughs> what we, are you people now sleeping? So people say, can you play music for us? She, I'm telling you. You see, when I, the fact that I, I'm trying to recall and oh, there's still one that stands out. And that one, <laughs> I don't know for this interview, they called and the guy claimed that Magun, Oh. Had been used. <laughs> For people who don't know Magnus, that basically he was in a situation. Anyways, we should go and figure it out. I said, if I don't do, we were panicking. I Magnus supposedly is a weird. I don't think it's fetish. Joining of a man and a woman that are not meant to be together. <laughs> I said they just they claimed they were in a weird situation. Okay. And wait, so he called whilst he was stuck. Yes. <laughs> you know, okay. It, this is what I'm saying. We, oh my goodness, we, we um <laughs> call and then sometimes so the call may drop. Okay. But because not so many calls are coming, when they call again, the few of us are on duty at night. So when I say run around, they join. Somebody said, are you sure these guys are not joking? 
So you guys really wanted to help this guy. We didn't understand what was happening. Who do you okay. want us to call? Do you want us to call the hospital? Anyway, so you have you had weird things like that. You had, you know, like I told you, people say play me music. Or those people shouting, screaming. Um, so that was the the, the, the uniqueness okay. in in um the, you know it stood out you know and, and it's like now nah, at least I've shared this story with you. It's one of those things I look back and I'm like, we did this. <laughs> I went through this. Then around three thirty, between three thirty and five, you see nature calls. Your body starts to actually want to sleep. So you see some of us just struggling, trying to listen to music, trying to keep up beats. But then the calls pick up between 5.30 and 7. The um. calls just start coming. So that balance of trying to keep up, keep awake, waiting for the next shift to come, and then you can't drop calls because your system is monitoring what you're doing. So, you, you know, people will look for shortcuts. They will catch you. You know, you can't have drop mm. calls. You have a number of calls you should, you should pick within an hour. Okay. You have time to pick a call. You must follow, um, hello, good morning. My name is Kemi. How may I help you? You know, there's a time I think we used to say, hello, good morning. You're calling. Is it mobile Because they used to change our... So those things and that discipline, mm. you know, and, and that tr- the training... Honestly, that we received in telecoms. And many people who worked in the customer service um, space, they will tell you if you talk to them that that thing also framed how they went into the workplace. Okay. Because, you know, there's just this, you are meant to think customer all the time. Mm. You are meant to serve the customer all the time. So you find that whatever career path any one of us went through the ones that took the learnings and i tell you a lot of people back in the day you find that you understand that that space you know um so that was that was you know the early days aha moments um all through beyond the customer service space other trainings was um having to work with people i met fantastic people that i see have good relationships with one of my mentors today was my manager um, in um, we had crossed over to Celtel, Zane Celtel. I always mix it up. Yeah, um, Kumbi, Kumbi, and um, she's one of my staunch supporters till today. I have other people too that both as people I looked up to and people who looked up to me, and we still have very good relationships. What were some of the weather, career struggle, or challenges through? Yes, on the job, but also through the transition from Econet to V-Mobile to Celtel. Um, I think the, the, the toughest time, and that was from a place of not knowing. Okay. That was from a place of not enough communication. So you, you have Chinese whispers, you have where well, you have to fill in the gap because okay. nobody's telling you anything. It was when we were transitioning when the IT arm was given to the turnkey okay. solution guys. Now, they came from Bahrain. Bahrain was Zane. They were, they were um, third country nationals. They were not Nigerians. So there was also some communication gap in talking to them. They were brought in to lead our teams, even though some people were somewhat more experienced or competent. But that, that, 
you know, so there was a lot of uncertainty. Okay. Um, I remember always coming home and I'm like, it's time, you know, I think, I think it's time to move. So prior then, you never felt like that there was time to move? Mm-mm. I, I, I hadn't. I, when I look back, I don't think I had, you know, I had a supportive, I have a supportive husband and we were all go, going through our careers at different stages. And um, this is also, a new, you know, you're married, newly married, you're trying to, you're building a family, um, you're growing older, life is changing, things are happening. Um, but before then, it was always, okay, we're moving, we're moving to the next thing. You know, of course, and then I was on a high because I was fortunate to be changing, experiencing new tracks. Okay. So IT service management, exploring that. I had a lot of training in that. And that's another area that I, I loved, you know, because I was seeing ITIL, you know, I'm also certified in that space, you know. So, like I said, it was new knowledge, new learning, new spaces, and unknowingly I was building okay. capacity. Okay. But that was the only time I'll say that the uncertainty sort of um it's it's it disturbed a bit. Okay. Um but shortly after in just a moment, Kemi will share a few more things about her time at Airtel with us before we move over to the next phase of her career journey. Stay with us. I'm Oshaye and you're listening to Origins Africa podcast. Hi, dear listener. If you love our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and Apple podcast. You can also send us a tweet or comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. We love to read from you. Nope, not later. Yes, I read your mind. Do it now. Thanks a lot. Also, click the subscribe button and share with a friend. Let's make a difference together, one origin story at a time. Catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson two quotes and one question from each episode published. You'll find it at originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com If you like it, please click the like button, leave a comment, share with a friend and subscribe. Also, you can now watch video snippets of some of our guest interviews. Simply go to Origins Africa podcast on YouTube origins africa podcast don't forget to subscribe like our videos and share let's make a difference together one origin story at a time hi guys welcome back to origins africa podcast let's get right back to our conversation with kemi shonubi director of people culture experience and operations at tvc communications and founder of the hr storyteller platform you started with audits and then after NYSC, you were considering audit, banking, accounting. Then you got a customer job. Why did you accept it since you had been wanting to maybe consider banking or accounting? And even after accepting customer, how did you find it? And at that period, what career path were you considering? Um, how do I say this? I'm not sure. I had a, this is what I want to do, kind of. Okay. At that point, because 
I had now veered and explored and I saw that I was enjoying customer service when I started. Okay. And like I said, okay, to your question, why did I accept it? I had questions or I'd stay asking myself questions. Is this the path I want to go? That's audit or That's the finance space. Okay. Let's not box it into audit, accounting. Okay. But, you know, banking, like I said, was the in thing then. There were banks everywhere. This was the time before they collapsed them into two. Was that period where they would have collapsed into 25 banks? Okay. If memory serves them. But there's, there's so many then. But I, I didn't see um, banking as a path for me. I It looked a bit regiment from okay. where I was standing, which is why when I started doing interviews, I was open to, I need to just start something. Explore. I need to explore. Exactly. I need to explore. I wanted to work. How old were you then? Um, if my math is right, I guess I would have been about 25, 24, 25. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like definitive. There's, this is the path you should go. And then, of course, like I said, 24, 25, stay working. I got married in 2007. I think I was about 20. Well, you see, my math is... <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe 25 thereabouts. Okay. And so life was, you know, I was, I was blossoming. I was growing. I was, I was discovering what I was. And I had very good people around me. I had a fantastic husband, um, who was also growing with me. Um, family members, siblings who I could look up to, you know, and I'm, um, looking at in terms of the growth of their careers. Um, of course, my dad was still alive then. So we used to have our pep talk, how are you enjoying this? Okay. Of course, for them too, my dad was an engineer. So, you know, they, they were the generation where career is <laughs> engineer, doctor, accountant. Lawyer. Lawyer. <laughs> Those were the four. Yes. Yes, I think Major, so. okay, then of course, teaching. Oh, there was teaching. People were teaching, okay. you know, school, lecturing. But I'm saying, you know, when career, you talk about career, career because <laughs> even though, you know, if, if you if you understand generation, demography okay. and all of that, you know, the workspace has changed. True. Kinds of work that existed. True. And I also have been fortunate to experience the change of work. That's why I explained that. We've gotten to a place where and telco was big business then. Sure. So banking, if you're not in banking, you're in telco. Sure. Um, so for me, it wasn't that, what is my, I was going through the ranks and the beautiful thing in the company then was that there were paths for you to explore. Okay. Horizontal, vertical growth, you know, so it was an environment that was fresh, that was okay. new, that was upbeat, that you were sure that if you do well, um, performance was key. Performance was recognized. So you will move. And and that's well, you why... you had made up your mind then that I'm going this way. No. Okay. There was no... There, it wasn't that... You remember that, like I said, career was those buckets. Mm-hmm. And I'd moved out of those buckets. So... 
customer service. Also, if you go back to the history of customer service personnel or or uh, relationship management, it was also the bloom or the boom came around the time when telco came, came exactly. So I was still at the point where I'm moving. Okay. I'm growing. Okay. Um, there are changes to my pay. I was learning. So I knew I was, there was incremental growth. I wasn't looking for a title. Okay. Did I know that in five years time, there'll be a different from where I was coming from? Yes. And I was being deliberate about it. Okay. So the deliberate about it wasn't necessarily that, oh, I'm going to be an accountant. I'd moved off that track. Okay. And I, I had already known that I wasn't, that wasn't an area I was interested in pursuing. Okay. What area I was going to, or I was going to land in or act, I can't say that it was clear in 2007. Okay. But I was moving. In 2011, I already knew from 2010 to 2011 that there was, I didn't feel like I was growing okay. in terms of scope of work. Okay. In terms of influence. It was that period of uncertainty. Yes. Okay. So I knew then that, Kemi, you need to move. Okay. Now, what do you want to move into is the next question. On the side, on my other engagements, and this was because my skill was developing in that area, I was being called in to facilitate trainings, deliver trainings, customer service, deliver trainings on human relations, deliver trainings on personal effectiveness, things that are already in the personnel management type space. Okay. And is that what led you then to take the, was this degree certificate with Cornell University? No, Cornell University was even later. Okay. Cornell University was later and now said exploring human resource conversations, you know. Okay. Um, but you were going to ask me a question for me to tell you how I got to. So remember that the last point I spoke about was we traveled, came yes. back. There was an interview and I had missed the interview. And at that point, you didn't have any interest certificate or degree yet. I'm trying to remember. There's this, um, not, no, 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 no. It was largely training and development. Okay. It was largely um, content development, content delivery. So that aspect I already had okay. in terms of the paperwork. But in terms of core HR path, no. No. Okay. Yeah. So you returned from the UK? Yes. So I returned from the UK and um, I got this mail that says, oh, they received my CV and um, they want me to come for a chat. That they're looking to hire somebody who will join the team, um, help the work closely with the CEO um, at a high level. They call it like an executive assistant, um, sort of operations person to help with structure and what have you. Now, of course, this was boring for my CV, which already had a lot of influence from tech, so it was attractive. Um, a lot of influence from um, relationship management, customer relations, operations, because we've done that um, training, uh, my background in accounting. You know, so the CV, my CV till date, always looks that interesting because it has a mix and it's not just a job hopping mix. That's the mm. difference. Because sometimes you see CVs and you're like, okay, mm. 
you know, but it wasn't that I tried this out, failed. I tried, no, it was that there was a conditioning. It's like when you're on a boat and the waves are moving you, but there's a path. So that's how the mix always comes to me. Okay. So um, I, read, I sent them an email saying that, apologize, I was out of country, just saw the mail. Could they reschedule me? And they responded, oh, no problem. I was scheduled for the first level interview. I drove myself to um, Sherry. Okay. I've never been to that side of town in Lagos. So I, I got to the road. I had to park. And I called my husband. I said, babe, <laughs> I am in somewhere, someplace. I just passed World Oil. I just passed Bega. I don't know this place. It's as if I'm going to a bad dog. <laughs> The road is not tired. It wasn't tired. Then there was no gates. There was nothing. And I checked the address. I think I called the... My husband just said, just try it out. You never know. Just go. I know where you are, you know. So I got to um, the building on Tard Road, at Horn, drove into the compound. There was this noisy generator. Funny building. But once again, my mind was... And I think, you know, when I look back, I think it's just one thing that's helped me. I'm always very open-minded. Okay. Um, to say, you know what? Explore. I'm open to different perspectives. So there's no hard of, you know, fast rule as of that time. So I went in, had a chat, met with um, a few persons, um, nice chat, upbeat chat. And then they asked that they wanted the executives to meet with me. And that was going to happen some days after in Ujudu Bega. Okay. At the house, at a house. Okay. Okay, no problem. And um, so I went, met with, um, am I supposed to mention names at this yes, point? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I met the duo then of uh, Bumi okay. and Kumi. Okay. And we hit it off. Okay. It was a very nice meeting. Um, it was in the house. Um, parents, fantastic duo, upbeat. I was, I was already excited. Mm. Um, even though I was like, we're meeting in your mom's house. It, it was How different. Knew it was the mom's house. Of course, I knew. So we came in. I waited, and you know, came in from the back. I can't remember. I just knew that it was somebody's <laughs> mom's house, but it wasn't mom's house. Like they were young boys, already okay. married, uh-huh. transitioning. I knew Kumi just came into country and um, they're just telling me this idea. So I'd had the meeting at um, Sherry. Um, Sherry Splashers and um, they were telling me the vision, what they needed. And the interview was going, I was like, you know what? Your energy is right. You have what it takes. Um, was it at that meeting? Yeah. So Kumi mentioned that, you know, HR, that they're looking for that that structure for him to start an HR structure. Yeah, they needed um, to that. He felt that it was time for him to also impute a HR structure okay. and meeting me, my personality, the way I talk, the things I already had done. I believe that that was what he wanted me to. I had never done HR before. I've never practiced HR. Um, had I worked under the function, just one of the functions, yes. Okay. Um, 
which which was somewhat expanded depending on the way you look at it, learning and development, content creation. Had I done performance management also somehow, okay. but not as a HR lead. Okay. Um, and before I knew it, you know, we'd start crafting policies, structure, team structure, putting some sense into the team. Um, it was a very small team when I joined, about 20-something people. And um, So what offer were you given? As the HR person. Okay. I was Wait. coming to lead the HR function. When you saw it, how did you feel? Or what was you hadn't done HR before? So were you excited about what it was offering, or were there fears? Um, Funny enough, there were no fears then. Um, it was so I remember that when we were on the trip, and I was just feeling, you know, my dad had died. Um, I wasn't enjoying. I wasn't getting joy from work. It was that uncertainty hanging. I remember my husband, and my husband has been, he is my number one cheerleader. So he's that person that is nothing. Mm. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that, okay, I'm feeling bad. He, he just sort of tells you how you should feel or how you will feel. He, sometimes I tell him that I think he has. I don't know, maybe he has a crystal ball, but so he told me on that trip, he said he, he believes that we were at the edge of me transitioning. So when that thing was happening, it was like an affirmation. I was okay. just accepting it that, okay, Kemi, you've done the work. You've built competency. It's a new terrain in terms of title. But this actually is time and it just fit like a glove okay so i won't call it fear the only thing i knew was okay now you need to get more competent okay. and competency is upskilling okay testing the knowledge that you have okay this knowledge i need to now join networks that were hr networks i need to just be sure that this that I'm doing is actually recognized. So I started the job. I was enjoying it. Was this was 2011? Mm, yes, 2011. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. I joined them in 2011. And the first charge was structure, build structure. Okay. Um, the finance team that partnered with them, which was not their team, they, they had a retainer arrangement, had been playing the role of admin, operations, HR, even the way it's HR for me. Um, payroll yes, perspective so we now had a chat to recruit a lot of people they were getting projects out um, a lot of business analysts so were handling so I was doing recruitment back to back 2011 into 2012 2012 there was now a need to expand space because a lot of people were now working out of that office um, we got some space uh, close to the international airport was this just you in HR then? Um, so there was more of admin. Okay. I had some admin people that I inherited. Okay. So it's not like I had to build up. Okay. Um, admin, you know, operations, facility management, but everything was contained. It was easy to, to handle. Okay. Um, then I, I recruited, I'm trying to remember at what point. 
Antonia came up. Yes, yes, yes. I recruited um, someone to come into the HR team. That's the core documentation and all of that. So we needed to move. So I became overnight project manager. Once again, I was wearing multiple hats, which is one of the beautiful things of HR. That's if you decide to explore. So we moved 2012. Um, team kept growing. We're handling bigger projects. When we you started, how many were you guys? Uh, 25. And in 2012, at this point, when you moved to Ikeja, I think? Yes. If my, hmm, if my math is right, I'm sure we had hit 100 and something. Interesting. It was actually <clears throat> phenomenal growth okay. in a very short period. So it was fast-paced recruitment. And because of the kind of work or projects that the team was poised to take on, we're looking for young people. Okay. So we were recruiting software developers. My tech experience helped. Business analysts. Project management team had some people. So it was a case of trying to balance. Um, so project management, software developers, business analysts. Those were the large, large, largely the, the three teams that were required. Okay. Was when we moved and then there was now more focus because then we're just playing with aviation we had recruited um the gm of aviation then tile he came in from canada that was a, a nice recruitment because i had to do a lot of talking on the phone planning his travel doing all the documentation even though a lot of it had started with um Bumi then okay talking to him so me i was closing the gap tidying up we moved to ikeja then there were now buckets of projects now divided into business lines, business okay. units, and they were now called strategic business units. Okay. So there was aviation, there was education. Um, then we said thinking of power. Okay. Power and fintech space, the financial space, were almost at the same time in terms of thinking about it. Um, the team kept expanding. HR teams started growing because more people, more expectations from the team in terms of before beyond recruitment. Now you need to think of performance management, training and development, which I used to handle. So I would just go into a room, put together training, um, deliver, um, of course, payroll, so in 2015, yes, 2015, we had stayed with Groom, project management team, business development. We had product analysts, you know, so the team had expanded. When I say team, the company, the structure, we had more GMs now handling business units, strategic business units. At that time, the company decided to um, get investors because we were expanding at a rate that we needed to match the demands from our clients, which were spread across different industries. I've mentioned power, education. We even tried the fuel sector, fuel and aviation, aviation um, which one have I missed? Yeah, thereabouts. And um, 
So we were in the market, so to speak, for investors and got a potential investor from South Africa. That is another fun time for me because a lot of HR people have never handled due diligence. Mm. And what due diligence basically is another company is coming to either invest in you, um, is it a, you know, there's a merger, there's an acquisition, there's a divest, you know, whichever model is being but due diligence is that you're required to provide as much information as is required for the company. Yeah, so my team had said moving and expanded. I met this young man. Um, <laughs> if I remember that, he used to send me mails from Isaac. If a, if a child. He <laughs> sent me these emails from Isaac, business development. And always harassing me. And I'm like, what is this guy? Who is this human being? Why is this so stressful? But he used to stress me in such a way that it didn't stress me annoying. It was just persistent, persistent, persistent. So um, I think we invited him for a chat. He came to Lagos or something. I'm sure he knows the story more than myself. And I just liked his mind. I liked the persistence in him. And it was something I... I felt I didn't have as much of. And I said, okay, I can groom this. There's something about this guy that can be groomed. And the guy is this child, <laughs> Shea. And of course, he was telling me, oh, he wanted to go into consulting, he wanted to do this, do this management consulting. Shea is like to speak plenty English. But I, I convinced him, I told him to. To take a gamble. I remember, I think those were my words. I said, take a gamble. Of course, try, join the team, HR. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of expansion I'm looking at. Um, I'd already started thinking broadly about HR analytics, you recall. So I liked his head and I said, if Shea could just um, get what I'm selling, it would be an easier sell. And Shea joined the team. And I'll say that... Um, it's one of my, I like smiling moments. Like, yeah, yeah. it'd be good for me to interview you. Yeah. Um, so back to 2015. So there was a lot of due diligence, a lot of meetings. We used to have strategy sessions. We used to have interviews with the um, consultants from the company. I remember going into one of those interview sessions. They asked me like 150 questions. I can't forget different questions to know if you had policies, we had processes. It's just a process to ensure that they, like the word due diligence, they're confirming that all the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, everything is actually as it should be for them to invest the amount of money that they've said they want to invest. And so in 2015, towards the end of 2015, I think, if I remember, I recall was August, September, thereabouts. We passed in flying colors and we were considered a company worth investing in and we got $20 million. And that was one of the biggest moments in terms of we did this, mm. you know, um, all the work we had put in from the very beginning 
when I joined this guy's 2011, I can remember meetings we used to have, town hall meetings we used to have, in the rooms we used to have, in the generator, I can never forget that generator. <laughs> but I've seen incremental growth. Young people, different people joining the company, people leaving, high upbeat energy. Um, we used to have hangouts in the office, we could now have a party. Um, you know, we had tunnel meetings where everybody just listening to the CEO and you're like, yes, you know, um, we, we had a mantra, Spartans! Ahu. <laughs> but, but it was fun. And I'm grateful that I had that experience, startup experience. Um, I, I actually advise people, depending on how dynamic you are or your career is, if you have that experience, it changes things. It lets you see things because there are different stages of a company, startup, maturity, growth, and growth, you know, maturity, decline or stability or Re, 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 you know, redefining the company, renewal. So for me, a startup was I could wear multiple hats. One day I'm an event planner, another day I'm a MC. Tomorrow I am project managing different guys just to make sure that we deliver. Um, you know, we're going into meetings, we're having conversations, and you are actually seeing that it's not all talk. It's this talk and this, this, the effort is showing. We were building a lot of things. And with this injection of money, it was going to change um, the direction of the company. So the journey continued. And um, I left them in, was it 2016 or 2017? The dates again are fuzzy. Let me, I think it was 2016 into 2017. Yes, 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 yes. And um, and that was another journey that ended because um, it was time to pursue a new. Um, but I knew then already in my heart, I knew once I had started HR, as once I had already grabbed the mic, so to speak, and I'd defined the nomenclature of what I wanted, that this was a path that I was now moving on. So by then, I'd already said building capacity, um, already joined the really, you know, respective human resource networking bodies, got his certifications in 2012, shortly after I started. And it was because I could combine um, all my work experience, the quality of the work, the, the, the um, not just quality now, but being able to put what I'd done with what was required in HR. So I, I got certified by CIP in 2012. Um, I'm due for another one. <laughs> I was just talking about that recently and went to. Um, and gradually, but because my mind has always been a mind of learning. So every year, every other month or quarter, the question is what next? And not so much because I want to pile certificates, but what else can I do in the space I am playing in? How do I stay relevant? How do I ensure that I am someone that can be called upon to say something of value? How can I add value? So even I usually, I still train, I have a passion for that. That one comes easily to me. 
just train people, get them excited. Um, so I left um, the company. Did I mention the name of the company? I don't I think I just that. mentioned. So I left um, Venture Garden Group. Um, 2016. Memory says, I think 27, and early. Yes, 2016, 2017. And that's the first half of Kemi Shonubi's origin story. Over the next episode, we'll talk further on Kemi's defining moments while at Venture Garden Group, and also explore her career progression through the years to her current role as Director of People, Culture, Experience and Operations at CVC Communications. Join us next week on Origins Africa podcast. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please, do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. You can also write to us at OriginsAfricaPodcast at gmail.com. Remember, do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast: Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson, two quotes, and one question from each episode published. You find it at OriginsAfrica.substack.com. Origins Africa substack.com and of course if you like it please click the like button leave a comment share with a friend and don't forget to subscribe i'm oshaya and you've been listening to origins africa podcast bye for now my father told me life is not a bit of roses you gotta put your way to the plow do the work to smell the Let the stories motivate